welcome to the Abundant Woman virtual event. I'm your host, Samantha Siemens, and today we are here with a special guest. You may have seen her black boxes on Instagram or all the social media platforms, but I am here with Natalie from Raised to Stay, and Natalie is a pastor's kid turned pastor. Her husband, Tony, and their two daughters live in Kentucky. In her 20 years of ministry as a worship leader, songwriter, and pastor, Natalie has served various organizations and ministries across the country. In 2019, after watching many of her peers walk away from the church and their faith, Natalie began Raised to Stay, a ministry for those who have wandered, wondered, and wrestled with the church and the challenges of full-time ministry. Natalie is a sought-after speaker in the local and global church and recently released her first book published with David C. Cook. You can learn more about Raised to Stay on Instagram at Raised to Stay, and we'll chat more about that after. But welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Samantha, for having me. So fun. Okay. So I'm a huge, huge fan. I will just want to first say congratulations on your book and we'll talk about where people can get it later, but, um, it is life-changing. So thank you for <laughs> being bold and writing something like that. Uh, but today we're not necessarily talking about church hurt. You can find that conversation on the podcast and I'll link it below, but today we are talking about abiding. And so I would love to just pass the mic to you and kick it off for us. Well, I grew up in the church, so obviously I had a deep love for God and God's people. There was really no questioning growing up whether or not we were going to go to church and be involved. And it was my senior year of high school. I saw my first church hurt, and I write about that in the book. And, you know, I moved on from that. I went to college and started working as a teacher. I was a janitor for 10 years and always bivocational. I was always a worship leader slash teacher slash personal trainer. I mean, I did a million different things. And it was over the course of being back in ministry in my 20s, 30s that I saw behind the curtain of not just the churches I grew up in, but churches that I was serving in on staff and uh, just attending in some seasons. And it became harder and harder to really, you know, trust that I wasn't going to get hurt every time I put myself in a church situation. And when I was 40, my family had moved from Cincinnati to Colorado. I was just really under probably some of the hardest leadership I'd ever been under. And I was on a walk and I told the Lord, I just don't want to do this anymore. I, I think that I've done this for my whole life between being a pastor's kid and going into ministry. And honestly, if it's okay, I, I'd like to just be done. And I wasn't saying it that calm. I was crying. I was really angry. I was frustrated. And the Lord gave me this phrase, raised to stay on this walk. And I knew it was the Lord because I was so tired and so exhausted and so disappointed that I realized that in my own flesh, I didn't have that kind of creativity. I didn't have that kind of thought to think of something so poignant as raised to stay. Now, if raised to abide looks good on a t-shirt, that's probably what I would have called this because I realized that a lot of people can't stay in some churches. A lot of people can't stay in some positions because of abuse, because of um, narcissistic leadership or toxic leadership, spiritual abuse. And so say raised to stay is about staying in a church would be ridiculous. And so the Lord led me to John 15, which talks so much in that entire chapter about the beauty of abiding in Christ. And Jesus is talking to the disciples in the upper room um, and he's using this visual of the vine and the branches because it was one of the strongest forms of teaching the importance between God, 
and the people of God and how that connection is actually life. That connection is what causes us to bear good fruit. It's a stronger connection, the vine and the branch, than even the shepherd and the sheep or the father and the son. This vine and the branch is this life-giving idea. And throughout all of the scriptures, you see the vine and the branch being a symbolism of God. And so the disciples really understood what Jesus was saying when he was saying, um, I am the vine, you know, and our God is the vine and I am the branch. And he's explaining this. And so for me, I realized, man, like this isn't about just holding on to religion, holding on to our practices, holding on to our everyday Sunday things. Um, but it's really learning how to stay connected to Jesus even when people disappoint us, even when church hurts us. But this abiding thing is so hard in a world right now that's telling us to uproot, mm -hmm. to try something different, to um, that the grass is always going to be greener. So I do think that it's a lot easier to quit or to just go do something that's not as hard than to stay connected to Jesus and hold on to him even when people are acting crazy, even when leaders disappoint us. And so that's really what the heartbeat behind Raised to Stay is, is holding on to Jesus. Yeah, I uh, I grew up in the church like you. I, I tell people I was born on a pew, which really technically isn't true because it was like five years. But my dad has always been in church ministry. And then he was our pastor for several years before we moved to Tennessee even. And, and now we're all in this weird season of not pastoring and leading in that way. But I used to get so confused, I think was the like root word because I would have friends that would have like one offense happen or, or something true or, you know, not or whatever. And they would bounce and like, they would just leave church or they would like church hop. And I never understood it partially because I grew up in the same church, the same building. And though it was called many different names, it was the same building, you know, but I think this is a conversation that I, I mean, it's the whole reason for Abundant Women Collective, like ditch the religion, ditch the checklist, ditch the things, the pleasing, the self-pleasing, all the things, and just get back to Jesus. Just get back to the root of where our relationship began. Somewhere along the way, we made it so fuzzy and about us, and it's literally not about us at all. No, I mean, it's interesting because as you guys can see, we just moved into our new home in Kentucky. We just made the move from Colorado to Kentucky. And West Coast or West Church is actually really different than what mm -hmm. I grew up in here in the Bible Belt um, in that Cincinnati, Southern Ohio, Kentucky area. And even coming back here and seeing what church looks like for different denominations, different groups of people as I'm traveling and I'm going to different churches. And I've realized that across the board, it's not one denomination, it's not one church, but there is a deep hunger for community, for mm -hmm. worship, for intercession, and for, their, for the house of God to be a safe place for people to come to. And the only way that we're going to be able to provide that safety is if our leadership and everybody who's kind of all hands on deck in these churches is abiding in Christ um, and not feeding in to trying to look like the world, trying to sound like the world. And I've noticed that the more flashy the church, the, the more um, bells and whistles that are out there right now, it's actually not drawing people in because people are looking for that authenticity. Um, mm -hmm. They're looking for 
does somebody know my name? Do people have um, ways for me to get connected? And are we thinking outward, not just inward? And so I would say that we are changing the way that we are abiding in Christ, not only individually, but as the church, um, which is encouraging to me because I think we're going to start to see change as that yeah. happens. But abiding thing, you know, it means to remain, to stay steadfast, to stay in position. And I think of Jesus, how he modeled remaining so well and staying, because it says in the Bible that it was for the joy set before him that he stayed on the cross, that he could have called 10,000 angels down and revealed who he was in that moment. And those angels could have taken him right up off that cross. But he knew it was for the joy set before him that if he would remain in position, which included a, a three-day stint in a grave, that we that he would then fulfill his father's purpose. And I think a lot of us, we call those 10,000 angels down um, because it is hard. It is heavy. Yeah. And God is good in meeting us there and saying, okay, fine. Like if you, if you need a break, I'm here. Um, but I also think a lot of us are getting up out of position before we see the miracle. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, there's something beautiful about longevity and being in there, even though, cause it's not really about people. People are what keep us there. People are community. You know, we've, uh, moving to a new state where we didn't know anyone. We did a lot of sort of figuring out where do we belong? And also West coast church is a hundred percent. My like experiences have been a hundred percent different. It was a whole culture shock that I was not expecting, but that's another conversation. Um, but People are what drew me in, in that my, uh, we had COVID. My husband and I had it at the same time. I have four kids. This is a very short story, but like this, uh, my husband had met the men's group from the church we're at now, and they signed us up for meal train. They brought my kids toys. They checked on us and I didn't know them. I like, they loved on us tangibly as the hands and feet of Jesus without knowing us, without us opening our checkbook, without us being members and they did it in a way because they simply loved God and they loved us and they didn't know us. You know what I mean? Like that drew us in. So people definitely drew us in, but it's been them running after Jesus that has allowed us to stay and to thrive there. And so what do you think, what, how do we, how do we abide in him? How do we, we'll start there. How do we abide in him? What does that look like for us women who are so hungry for this? I think that all the time myself, because I too have children. You know, This has been one of the most insane, busy seasons of my entire life. And that whole scripture of like, when we're at our weakest, he's at his strongest is so true. And I think, first of all, we have to get rid of the shame or this guilt if we're not on our faces in a prayer closet at four in the morning before our children rise and we're not in the word right as our kids are coming down the steps. I think abiding in Christ is a every minute of every day, surrendering our flesh, surrendering our wants and desires for his and meeting with him consistently across the board. So whether or not I'm in carpool or I'm, you know, driving um, somewhere or I'm at, I'm working out or I'm going for a walk or I am in my quiet time, that I am remaining in him, that I know my source comes from him, my finances come from him, 
And that looks different for all of us as women in every season. And mine are older now. And I feel like I'm starting to get that grace back where I could go to Starbucks and do my hour quiet time like I did in college. Um, but it has felt like the last 14 years have been compromised in some ways doing things my way. And so the yeah. Lord has had to get creative with me and say, you know, abiding in me is remaining and resting in our relationship as it is between you and I. It cannot look like an Instagram post. It can't look like what our friends looks like. I, I know I have a really good friend who literally doesn't sleep. She stays in her prayer closet from like 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. every night. That is her thing. And I love that God has given her that capacity. Um, as a labor and delivery nurse, she doesn't sleep a lot. So that's her rhythm, like 12 to 3. She's in her prayer closet praying, listening to the Lord, taking notes. But listen, this girl's got to sleep. Like, I I can't do that. And so I just know we can't compare one another's abiding <laughs> to yeah. each other. I think too being in community. I think that community is abiding. I think getting in with a small group or a group of women or even like just meeting for a, with a mentor for one-on-one -on -one coffee. I think any time that we have an opportunity for iron to sharpen iron for us to sit and learn and have a Paul moment with someone, um, even with our spouses and our children, there's just so many beautiful ways that God opens up opportunities for us to experience him and abide in him that don't have to be um, so cookie cutter. Yeah, which the cookie cutter thing is hard because we live in a social media world. So we get to see what I feel like our parents' private time or quiet time was private. Like you saw it if you lived in the house with them. It wasn't a perfect square box. And now we see everyone's square box. And so we think instead of looking upwards, we're looking outwards a lot of times. What is this person writing? What is this person? This person has a podcast. This person has a beautiful chair with a blanket and a newborn that sleeps through the night. Like, and that, I feel like in one way, social media is beautiful, but it was never necessarily his intent to distract us. It was never his intent to like, look at shiny object over here and the grass is greener thing. But if we could just keep our eyes up, like literally eternity focused and Yes, looking at others to love on them and be with them, but not worrying about what their quiet time looks like, not worrying about what their pretty Bible tabs look like. And instead, like some of my most intimate moments with Jesus have been the hardest times in my life. Nothing was pretty about it. They were on hospital floors, not on a prayer closet that I don't have or a chair. You know what I mean? And so it looks different for everyone. And we're all walking through different stuff. Like you have no idea behind that pretty picture, what reality looks like and what, yeah, her life looks like. It's always too something. I remember that in that, in Joshua, where God is saying, don't look to the left or to the right, you know? And I, I think it's easy in this race to look to our left and to our right. And I remember when I wanted to write books, when I wanted to have the social media following, when I wanted to have um, influence. And I, I think when we abide, we understand the difference between having influence and having authority. And, you know, influence is scary. I, I don't tell a lot of people this because it gets me in trouble, but I went to the Taylor Swift concert a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it was a kind of one of those experiences that was really cool. We went with my sister got his tickets. Um, but it was also really heavy because I was with 70,000 people 
who all knew exactly how to look, how to sound, how to sing. There was a culture there that was so different. Uh, somebody tweeted, I learned at the Taylor Swift concert that I'm not afraid of large crowd. I'm afraid of big men. Because you had 70,000 women in a room and there was no drama. Like everybody was helping each other, complimenting each other's outfits. But the reason it was heavy is because I'm in the nosebleeds so I can see everything. And I realized how hard this girl has to work to maintain her influence. She has to bend with culture. She has to do everything that people want her to do, um, or at least write to it and act like she doesn't. There has to be, there was so much represented on that platform that was not God, that was not um, good. And I thought, wow, this girl has to work really hard to keep these fans at mm -hmm. a place they want to follow her. Whereas when we walk in authority and we're abiding in Christ, it's not about our influence. It's about the authority that we have in Christ to remain connected in him. And then we don't have to say what people want us to say or look a certain way or do things per perfectly because we have that covering of God who's going to protect us even when we do, you know, not conform to society or whatever that could look like. And so as, as fun as that concert was, it made me realize that there's a cost of influence. There's a cost of having what other people have. There is something that those people have that we probably weren't meant to carry. And that's given me a lot of freedom on social media to be like, you know, if influence is what I'm after, I'm going to disconnect from the vine. But if authority is what I'm after, and that is only steward what God has given me, then I don't have to be afraid of what my friend has or what I don't have because God is providing every need according to his riches and glory, not according to my follower count. Um, my Instagram right now is compromised because of some glitch that's going on and my posts are disappearing and you can't see my profile. And I got in a really bad mood over it because my book launched and the Lord continues to remind me that in order for me to walk in that authority, I don't need the influence of social media. Um, and so while that's, that hurts my flesh, it's a definite test right now of where I put my trust in the Lord, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's so good because, uh, so many look at the follower count as if it's a, an alkylate, even like some brands won't work with you unless you have a certain number and all of these things. And, uh, this abundant women collective has been an entire open eye opening thing because I used to do marketing and that was my job <laughs> to care about the numbers and to get people the numbers and I could, and it was great. And then once I went to this thing, I was like, God, why can't I get my own numbers? And then there was a thing that he just, he pruned me and it hurt because it was what I knew, but it was a prune of like, I don't actually care. I mean, I care about the person behind the screen. I care that a woman would be um, equipped, empowered, uplifted by my messages, right? Which is why I don't talk about a lot of things, but, um, but it just was this, like this beautiful, like taking off that I had created this limb, if you will, of like influence means numbers. I have to grow my platform and then I get say, and God has just been, he's been so gracious to just be like, actually, you don't need a number here. Look, you have a top 1% podcast, which I don't even listen to podcasts. So I know it's all God. Like everything is all God. And it wasn't until I fully surrendered and attached myself to the vine that he was like, okay, we're on the same page now. Here you go. This is actually what I have for you. Not 
a number. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, even when I was trying to think through, okay, if Raise This Day were to be a book, how would I even go about that? And a friend of mine had suggested that I send my stuff to an agent. I did. We got picked up. But then you start shopping publishers. Mm-hmm. And the publisher in love with the message of the book, but I only had 1,200 followers at the time that I was pushing the message. And, you know, there was a lot of, well, we'll take the book if in a year you have 10,000 followers or um, if in six months you have 5,000 followers. And I, I wanted to concede and be like, okay, you're fine. Yeah, that's right. Like, I just won't sign any deals until I hit that. But the Lord was just like, no, this message is too timely. It is time sensitive. There is no reason to compromise on the message for the followers. And so my publisher that picks me up, David C. Cook, they picked me up with 1,200 followers. We're at 112,000 followers now. And so cool. That, that is only God because yeah. this account, my account grew while I had a concussion and couldn't even really post that much. And I was on screen time limits and everything. And so God just continues to blow my mind. And I was on a podcast once when I had smaller numbers and the guy said, I just don't understand like why you don't have more followers. And I said, well, I do because I told the Lord to only give me what I could steward. And I don't want more than what I can handle. And I will tell you too much is given much is required and we can have all the followers love them if we can't nurture them and I don't mean answer every DM I mean that's impossible yeah. but if we're to at least represent the Lord in a right way um and be a model of him to that many people he's not going to keep giving us more mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah which I'd love to see the growth because it is all God even from a marketing background it's totally all God <laughs> like which is so fun I um I want to know for the women who are like, okay, I'm not really worried about social media as much, or I'm not distracted by it, which is probably very few of us. But um, what are some other ways that we can abide in like our day to day life? Like, what are some other examples of how that looks like? Well, I'm learning it's like house stuff. I'm not a good cook. I'm not good. Um, house maintenance person. Like if it's probably good, I don't have endless funds because I would hire a, a cleaning crew. <laughs> yes. I'm convicted right now, having two daughters who are 10 and 14, um, that abiding a lot of times looks like taking them shopping. It looks like sitting down and having that girl mom conversation Um, on the way to school, it's slowing down to actually be able to hear what God is saying to us rather than assuming we know what he is saying to us. It's also slowing down to let him say what he wants to say about us, because there is so many voices telling us who we are and who we aren't and what we could do and what we're not doing. Um, But abiding for me right now is slowing down. And that's why I'm taking the sabbatical this month um, is to really just take a step back and enjoy my home, um, enjoy things that I haven't been able to enjoy trying to do and trying to be. And um, that's convicting because I think we all see success as um, being busy and getting things checked off our list. And I just realized I have four summers left with my oldest. And that that's weird, you know, when I think yeah. of how hard I running to write these books and everything. So I think it's just allowing the Lord 
for us especially is just to speak over our lives um, where we're the loudest in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love two things you said. One, slowing down because you're, you're so right. Like busy, busy. And our kids, we make our kids busy where if we're in corporate world or whatever your life season looks like for you, those watching, there's this unsaid pressure to make yourself busy because that means you're more valuable or your worth is more because you're so busy or so slowing down, but then slowing down enough to hear God. Like I have been convicted of that in seasons in my life where I'll read my Bible because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm a good Christian check and then move on about my day. And really he's like, I want to be with you all day long. Like in a normal relationship, I would text my husband or text my best friend or right. And so it's keeping him with us all day long and not just a thing we do and then put him away until the next morning. And that is like an entire culture shift because then you, I mean, you have the living God inside of you and I ignored him for most of the day because I was so busy doing my things with my children and my strength. Right. So slowing down has been a huge thing that, um, I've been convicted of, but, but then also listening, like, you mean not just giving him my wish list and then hoping it happens and then moving like listening, sitting down with him or in the car or in the shower. Shower is my place because nobody bothers me. <laughs> like wherever it is. It's true. And you know, it says in that scripture that we'll know that we're connected to him because we'll bear good fruit. Mm-hmm. And gave me raised a, I think I was shocked a little bit because I thought, I've never felt further and more like I want to quit than I do right now. Yet you're giving me something that is good fruit. Yeah. And we need to like really be gentle with ourselves and not think that just because we haven't been the perfect mom or the perfect wife or the perfect daughter, um, whatever that is, um, perfect friend that God is still capable of producing good fruit through us. Um, when we are connected to him and even when we're quiet and even when we don't have a lot to say, even in those seasons where we're not feeling like the best Christian, he is so kind and gracious to still produce good fruit through us. Um, and that's what I learned when he gave me raise to stay is, oh, I don't have to be like the spiritual giant for him to trust me with something. Um, and, and that was reaffir- that was so reassuring in that season. Yeah, because if. Yeah, absolutely. If we're connected to him, then it's his, like you said, his power that's working through us. It's his message, his, his thing, whatever it is, is working through us. And so I find so much comfort in that because I'm kind of one of those people that are a tiny bit challenging where I'm like, okay, God, it's yours anyways. Like, do what you're going to do. I'm here. (laughs) There's freedom in that. (laughs) Absolutely. I think we just, I think we need to be more generous with it with ourselves, especially. Um, I also feel like part of this abiding is speaking life and into other women's lives and other, into other people's lives where we're at the store and the Lord gives us a scripture to share with someone or we're with a friend and, and we want, and we just need to encourage them with something. I think part of this abiding is just that whole great command, love God, love people. Um, and if we can start our day with that, where we wake up and just tell the Lord, we love him and then model love for all of the people that are in our lives and that perfect stranger, then that is part of that abiding. That is actually very simple. Um, that has nothing to do with doing, but a posture 
of, Mm -hmm. you know, gratitude and then staying on mission and great commission, which is loving God, loving people and making disciples. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Natalie, if you can, for the woman listening, who's like, yes, yes, I'm here. (laughs) I hear you. Can you just speak to the woman watching and give her a word of encouragement? Because we know how hard this can be, but how important it actually is. Just remember that God made you exactly how you are. You know, you have the gifts and abilities inside of you to accomplish great things that nobody else can do the way that you do them. So whether it's in the home or out of the home, if it's in corporate America or in ministry, there is a desperate need for you. That's why God made you. And and there will be nobody just like you. There cannot be any imitators. And if they are, we know that you know, imitators are just those who can't create themselves. And so, you know, there can be a lot of people that do what you want to be doing, but there's nobody who can do it the way that God has wired you to do it. And it doesn't have an age limit. It doesn't have, um, you know, you can have little ones write books. You can have older ones write books. You can uh, work your way up to CEO and have kids at different ages or no kids at all, or not even be married. And there's so many things that God has given us as women that are so unique. And I would also say women that God didn't forget to make us a man. It's not like we are this like counterpart, um, of, of men and that we are getting the leftovers, you know, when we work hard, when we pray hard, when we invest, when we model, um, God is faithful to, to do what he wants to do through us. Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it to the very end. And so don't quit because you think somebody else is already doing what you want to be doing, or they're already ahead of you. Like we said earlier, don't look to the left or the right. Your race is right in front of you. So good. So good. We should have a whole nother conversation about women, but that'll be for a different day, friends. Okay, Natalie, I I want to, you to please share. We said that Instagram is at race to stay, but also where can we get the book? How can we connect with you? Yeah, the book is everywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Um, I think I said books a million. It's, I'm telling you guys, my head, my brain is fried from the book. It's everywhere. Um, but Wherever you buy books. <laughs> Five books, and it's called Raise to Stay Persevering in Ministry When You Have a Million Reasons to Walk Away. We did hit the top 100 on Amazon, which there are 38 million books on Amazon, and we hit the top 100. Um, and that's because oh the Sayer community like, rallied. It was huge. So um, I feel so grateful. So that's where you can get that. Um, and then I'm going to be traveling throughout the United States and into Europe next year, um, taking this message of just unified church and um, how much God loves his people throughout uh, the next year. So I'm excited. So excited for you. So proud of you. So excited to see you. Thank you so much for your time and your message and just spending a little bit of time with us here today. Thanks for having me. 